0: Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Modern Day Rebels podcast, the podcast that tells the stories of pioneers that actively create the lives they want to live. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, hello, my name is Julia Frank, and I'm the host of this podcast. I am fascinated by the question of how we can live both better and more meaningful lives. Essentially, what this means is that I explore how we can live life on our own terms. Each week, I usually sit down with a modern-day rebel from a range of different personal backgrounds and industries to chat about why they decided to live life differently, what living life on their own terms looks like, and most importantly, how they managed to do so in the first place. But this episode is going to be slightly different. As this is the last episode of Season 1, I want to use this episode to look back on the season as a whole and give you a little bit more background about myself and modern-day rebels. In this episode, I will also give you some insights into the behind the scenes of making this podcast happen in the first place and have a look at three of the main themes that came up throughout season one. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and let's dive in. Some of you might be familiar with my voice at this point, but might not actually know a lot about me. That's because I have to admit, I feel a lot more comfortable asking other people questions than talking about myself. Similar to a lot of my guests, I have an unconventional path myself. Fascinated and intrigued by human thoughts and behaviors, I did my bachelor's in cognitive science and my master's in psychology at Brown University in the U.S. After spending five years in academia and academic research, I was looking for something a little bit more applied and ended up in the tech sector, working for a mental health tech startup in Boston. I absolutely loved working for a tech startup. I loved the pace, the excitement, and the learning opportunities that working in an early stage startup and small team brings but I also realized that I needed a lot more hard skills if I wanted to make an impact and become invaluable. I also missed Europe. I was born and raised in Germany and was ready to return to the other side of the ocean. So I moved to London and completed a three-month graphic design program at Shillington to learn the technical skills I needed. That's when I fell in love with user experience design as it felt like the perfect intersection of psychology and design, understanding human behavior and using design to solve problems. This led to my current role as head of product for Happiness House, Germany's third largest subscription-based personal development company, and I'm still incredibly fascinated as to how applied technology can change our everyday lives. So why this podcast? Modern Day Rebels is an idea that came to me in July of 2019, so almost exactly a year ago. And it started with the realization that business as usual is no longer good enough. That in a rapidly changing world, the words traditional and the way it's always been done are meaningless and quite frankly, no longer acceptable. It's really about developing principles and living more intentionally, about deciding to follow your own path, whatever that might be. After spending a lot of time thinking about the best way to bring modern-day Rebels to life, the best place to start felt like launching this podcast to explore how individuals are actively creating the lives they want to live. But at that point, I had absolutely no idea how to launch a podcast. So in November of 2019, I connected with Alice Benham, who is a digital marketing specialist and podcaster, to get help with the logistics of launching the podcast. We sat down together in February of this year to start bringing the podcast to life, and it was incredibly helpful to work with someone who was able to walk me through the process as well as bounce ideas off to identify what I really wanted this podcast to be about. During this time, I also worked with the wonderful Henny Peel, who helped me bring the brand to life. She designed the podcast cover art and branding. It really does take a village. Little did I know that I would be trying to produce and launch a new podcast right when the world went into lockdown, making in-person recordings impossible. And when apparently podcasting also became a lockdown pastime alongside baking sourdough, not really a great time to enter a market that is dominated by celebrities and legacy podcasters. As a perfectionist, I contemplated not launching it. The audio quality wouldn't be great, trying to have natural conversations, while dealing with laggy internet wouldn't be as engaging to listen to, and having each guest record their own audio would mean that there is a mismatch in quality between me and my guest. But frankly, I didn't want to use that as yet another excuse as to why I wasn't ready to launch. So the podcast's first episode went live Monday, May 11th, and it's been an incredible ride since. I cannot believe season one has come to an end and 12 weeks have already passed. Before we look back on the main themes of season one, I want to thank you all for being on this journey with me. Starting a new podcast isn't easy. A couple of days ago, The Independent published an article questioning whether we've reached peak podcast, a question that was already asked at the end of 2019. According to Apple, there are literally 1 million different podcasts now, so I'm incredibly grateful for you listening, subscribing, writing reviews, sharing it with your network, and telling your friends about it. I also want to thank all my amazing guests this season. A massive, massive thank you goes to them for taking the time to chat with me and record each episode, sometimes even twice due to technical issues. And a massive shout-out goes to Emily, my podcast editor, without who this podcast would literally not even exist on a weekly basis. Running a podcast is really hard work, especially on a weekly basis. So thanks to Emily, we made it to the end of season one. A huge thanks also goes to my amazing fiancé, Oliver, who is my first and number one supporter. So let's take a look back on season one. So much was talked about throughout the season, but there were three key themes that kept coming up. Firstly, the role of freedom. Secondly, the importance of just doing it. And thirdly, the concept of success. Let's dive into the topic of freedom. Freedom came up in the context of choice with two themes throughout, the freedom to choose how you spend your days and the freedom of what you do. Aidan Carroll in episode one described freedom as being able to work in his own rhythm, zero percent one day, 500 the next. The ability to start and stop When he wants without permission. And similar in episode 11, Pip Christie described that freedom to her is the ability to craft each day so that it is suited for the particular moment. And it makes so much sense. We are cyclical beings. We used to follow the rhythm of the day, wake up when the sun rose, go to bed when the sun set. Depending on what country you live in, work longer during the summer months to prepare for the winter, while taking a siesta because it's too hot to work in the afternoon others. It's something that Marcus Eld and I talked about in episode 3. We are part of nature, so working with the natural rhythm of nature seems to be the path of least resistance. Sitting in front of screens all day that emit blue light and suppress our melatonin's production, which is the hormone that regulates our circadian rhythm, also known as our sleep-wake cycle, is actually pretty counterproductive. Of course, we can use apps like Flux, purchase some of those trendy blue light glasses, and change our iPhone settings. But the question I have is, does that really have the impact we want to have? I can sit in front of a blank page all I want. If I'm not in a creative mindset because it's late, I'm tired, I have a full day of work behind me, or I'm simply in a terrible mood, no amounts of gadgets will help the creative genius strike or force my brain to problem solve. We are simply not wired that way. So why is the expectation that we are able to be productive and accomplish our to-do list at a constant pace, 9 to 5, which really is now eight to six, if you're lucky, we are cyclical beings expected to work on a consistent output, and it's terrible for us. So where possible, I would highly encourage all of us to embrace the natural rhythm of the day and not only have a morning routine, but also an evening routine that allows us to wind down for the day, something Kelsey Lane and I briefly touched on in episode nine. Freedom of choosing how we spend our days also came up in the context of building a life around lifestyle. Samantha Cousins in episode eight talks about how her turning point was when she realized that she wanted to be able to prioritize friends and family over work. Marcus Eld in episode three had a similar turning point, questioning why he should spend all day at a desk to spend time in nature on the weekend, which led him to build a business that allows him to be in nature every day. And Sarah Curtis from episode four integrated her lifestyle with work by offering therapy sessions outside of the traditional therapy room. Freedom also came up in what we do, or rather, who we work with. Being able to decide which clients to work with, as Samantha Cousins in episode 8 and Kelsey Lane in episode 9 talk about. Making sure the clients they work with align with their values. I think when potential clients come knocking, we often forget that it's a two-way decision. It's not all about whether they want to work with you, but also whether or not you want to work with them. Being able to say no to work is a very privileged position to be in but I used to say yes to everything. I needed the money, I wanted the experience, and it led to three things. One, I was usually incredibly frustrated and dreaded my workday. Two, I felt undervalued because I usually also got underpaid. And three, the combination of both dreading work and feeling undervalued usually meant that I was not producing my best work. If you can, I personally think that time is better invested in working on your own brand and doing outreach to clients that you would want to work with and enjoy to work with in the future. The second theme that came up throughout the season is the importance of just doing it. Making that commitment, testing it out. So many of this season's guests made decisions wholeheartedly and stuck to them. As Sarah Curtis from episode four said in reference to changing careers and signing up for the Ironman, don't overthink it, make a decision and go for it. Ultimately, just go for it and see what happens. If you feel close to sure it's what you want to do, just go for it. This notion of fully committing once you've decided is really important. Have you ever seen America's Funniest Home Videos of people deciding to jump into a pool, changing their mind halfway through, and then usually ending up hurting themselves and landing in the pool anyways? Obviously, that's an extreme example, but that's kind of what it feels like when we make a decision and then question whether or not it was the right one to make. The only way to see if it was indeed the right decision is to just fully try it. And by trying it, I don't mean quit your job and fully commit to your side hustle. Please don't. Decisions like that take planning and calculations as they come with huge financial risks, which is something Cody Dillabaugh from episode 10 and I talk about. What I mean is that if you're sitting on an idea, you know, that one day business idea in the back of your pocket or that other career path you might be interested in, try it. As Pip Christie mentions in episode 11, it's so important to test things out and see how they go. See how you feel. Is this really what you imagined it would be like? Roshni Mathani from episode five had put this so beautifully. She said that no time is ever wasted because your learnings can always be applied. So just test it, see how it goes. Worst case scenario, you learned a new skill and something about yourself. Samantha Cousins from episode eight also put this so wonderfully, saying that every no brings her closer to a yes. And it's so true. No successful idea was ever great from the start without being tried and tested and iterated. I could go into so many examples from Instagram to Netflix, but that would be an episode on its own. Alice Owens and I talked a lot about this in episode six, that our careers are long and have multiple chapters in them. We no longer have the same job from college summer internship to retirement, and therefore we might even have multiple careers in different industries. As Alice mentioned, sometimes it seems like our careers just happen to us and we don't realize we have a say in the matter. And trying new things out is a vital part of that discovery journey. And I think this is where we've got the age thing quite wrong. We don't take younger individuals as seriously because we think they don't have enough experience, but then glorify the young entrepreneur. As if the younger they are when they reach success, the more impressive. Forbes 30 under 30 is exactly that. I believe this is the first year that Forbes has launched a 50 under 50 list, specifically to highlight women shattering age and gender norms. It's right there in the title, as if we weren't expected to achieve anything much later in life, and if we do, it's shattering age norms. Is that why 30th birthdays are so dreaded? Because the opportunity of becoming something great has passed? Well, I call bull. The other thing is that our jobs shouldn't be our only source of fulfillment. This is something Alice Owens and I also talked about, the misconception that all our happiness and fulfillment should come from our job. But what about the time outside of it? Why not use that to follow our passions and interests? I personally think there's something beautiful about pursuing something without the pressure of having to monetize it. A lot of creatives like Elizabeth Gilbert actually talk about that. The great pleasure of being able to do something just for the joy of doing it before it turns into the pressure of having it to be good. And I think this is where social media is a real pitfall because anything and everything is now shared online. Pandora Sykes describes this so beautifully in her new book, How Do We Know We're Doing It Right? When she says, we are turning ourselves inside out for the consumption of others. The constant pressure to have our hobbies be interesting enough to share, or that we have to be great at something because your entire friend group might see it on your stories is a lot of pressure and takes away from the fun and lightheartedness of the thing itself. Callum Goodwilliam from episode 7 and I talk about the importance of following your interests and passions. He also mentions that the perfect job doesn't exist, and I think that's really important to highlight. It seems like we have this expectation that every aspect of our job needs to be fulfilling and engaging. Happiness isn't a static state you can constantly be in. It's an emotion we feel at the peak of an experience. Our jobs can't be perfect all the time because in reality, that can never be the case. There will always be some things that you enjoy or aren't good at. To me, it's about whether the things I love about my job are meaningful enough to offset the hoops I need to jump through. A fantastic trick on this that Samantha Cousins from episode 8 mentioned is to schedule the things you don't want to do before tasks you do want to do. I've tried this ever since the episode and it's been a game changer. I complete those tasks a lot quicker as I want to get through them to be able to do the tasks that I'm looking forward to and no longer have that one thing that I'm dreading hanging over my head the whole day. The last theme I want to touch upon is success, as so many of my guests and I talk about the concept of success and what it means to them. Alice Benham in episode two put this into context, saying that we don't go a minute without seeing someone else's version of success. And it's so true. Back in the day, we used to only really be able to compare ourselves to those directly in our environments, our colleagues, friends, family, and neighbors. And there was a great gap between celebrities and us but now I have the ability to compare myself to people I have never even met at my fingertips. I find it so easy to get blinded by someone else's version of success or someone else's goals. Too often, these lines now get blurred, and I find it hard to make the distinction between what my version of success is and someone else's. They've become so entangled. Alice Benham and I also talked about how success is only really success if it's on your own terms. How does it tie into your values, your approach, and the things that are important to you? Again, it feels like we've moved to a society where only things worth posting are worth striving for. Baths and reading on the couch are documented in the name of self-care, and that might work for some people. But I have never found that having my phone in arm's reach while posting stories on Instagram to be conducive to self-care. Also, quick side note, for those taking bathtub selfies, aren't you terrified of dropping your phone in the water? Anyways, it might just be in my little Instagram bubble, but it also feels like everyone is trying to sell you something these days. Buy it now, otherwise you'll miss out. And this is where the question of do I want it or am I told that I should want it comes in. Does it trigger the scarcity mindset that I must have it, otherwise my life isn't complete? Must have items, other people's goals, and measures of success are constantly dangled in front of our noses. So I constantly have to ask myself, is this my version of success or theirs? And I believe this is where following our intuition comes in. Something a lot of my guests also mentioned. Kelsey Lane in episode 9 and I talk a lot about the power of following your own intuition, even if it's not the normal thing to do. Intuition can be such a loaded word. But to me, it's that internal voice. What Glennon Doyle in her beautiful book, Untamed, refers to as her inner knowing. Pandora Sykes, in her book, describes this dilemma so perfectly. In a world crowded with the white noise of other people's narratives, the collective narrative of social media, the multi-strand narratives of binge TV, having your own singular internal narrative is nothing short of essential. So I'd say here's to following that inner voice more to pursue your own version of success. It's been a fantastic season, and I can't wait for season two. Season two will launch September 17th. The format is going to be slightly different to Season 1, but I'm not going to give away any spoilers just yet. You can follow Modern Day Rebels on Instagram and subscribe to the newsletter to find out more about the upcoming season. Also, if you want to make sure not to miss the start of Season 2, just subscribe to this podcast and the first episode of Season 2 will automatically show up in your favorite podcast app on September 17th. Some fantastic podcasts to listen to in the meantime are The Wallet by Emily Bellett, a podcast to help you take charge of your financial future and to tackle the gender gap within investing, as well as Growing Up with Galdum, a beautiful and powerful podcast sharing perspectives of women and non-binary people of color. See you on September 17th. Until then, keep being a modern day rebel.